it's the Southside's own Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. There's a blast deep into the night. And a two-run homer for Baez. And there it goes. Abreu massacres this ball to left center field. Lana goes in motion left. Snap it to Michelle. He's running to the left. Angling 25-20. Got a block for Brock. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Don't win it. We're headed to Atlanta. Trubisky's going to run it. And he is going to get a first down. Jonathan Hood, weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Live from Chicago, this is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. With open phone lines for you at 312-332-ESPN. 332-3776 is the telephone number. Hit me up on Snapchat, SnapJHood on Instagram, IGJHood, as we broadcast live from our first Midwest Bank Studios. On the program tonight, we're going to hear from Jesse Rogers from Wrigley Field. The Cubs take on the Atlanta Braves for Game 3 of this series, so we'll hear from Jesse momentarily. Also, we'll have one question. You know, people are busy weeknights. You and I are spending time talking Chicago sports and everything else in between every night, but some people don't have time for an entire interview. That's why we have one question coming your way at 7.50. Also, summer football. It started on Monday every night We always give you something NFL, something college, something in fantasy football. So we give you the NFL Network's Cole Wright, Chicago's own. We'll get his thoughts about the landscape of the NFL. Where does he see the Bears in the NFC? We'll talk to Cole coming up in an hour from now here on ESPN 1000. Chicago's own Cole Wright. Tales from the Hood, stories of sports, entertainment, everything else in between. Also, Ryan Hollins. Yes, he's our NBA expert. Ryan Hollins, if you're if you're listening every night, you're saying, Ryan Hollins again? Yes, because he lost that bet to me. He said that if the Toronto Raptors win the NBA championship, that he'll come on 10 times in a row. This will be episode six of Ryan Hollins on the program. <laughs> <laughs> six of 10. For Ryan Hollins coming on the program, coming up at 9.10. Also, we hear from Jim Margulis, friend of the program from Sox Machine. We'll talk about the White Sox and their victory against the Red Sox and kind of look ahead to the homestand, a guaranteed rate for the White Sox, and look back at this road trip that was bowling shoe ugly uh, for sure. Uh, let me start with the Cubs, then we're going to get to the White Sox here this half hour. I, um, I saw this tweet from Len Casper. Eric Ostrowski sent this to me, and Len Casper, the voice of the Cubs, just... I don't know, half about 15, 16 minutes before the top of the hour, tweeted this. It says, the Cubs need to clean up their base running. Major League Baseball most 35 outs on bases this year. Bad stolen base percentage. Middle of the pack in extra base 
take-in percentage, overly aggressive lately, and it's bitten them, especially in tight games like last night. The base running last night on a squeeze play is all on bias, without question. That was um, not good by the Chicago Cubs. But you know what that is? That's a team that's pressing. And it is not hyperbole. It's not trying to just poke fun at the Cubs or just trying to find storylines. This ball club is better than 43-36. and 36. The pitching has not been there, 12-12 and 12, with almost a 5 ERA as of late uh, for the Chicago Cubs over almost 25 to 30 ball games. That's, that's not going to get it done. And so 43-36 and 36 for this Cubs team that I still contend is strong. This lineup, this is a lot of teams that are in the middle of the pack or in the bottom of the standings would want to have this lineup. And I disagree with my friend Jesse Rogers, who talks about how they don't have Tommy LaStella, they don't have some of the bench guys, they don't have the depth. There's plenty of quality guys coming to the dish every single game that should be able to lead this ball club more than a 43-36 and record. Doesn't mean they can't turn it around, but at this point in time, it's just average. As we go to Wrigley Field, we'll say hello to Jesse Rogers. Jesse covers the Cubs for ESPN.com, and he joins me here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app as we preview the Cubs and the Braves. As always, Jesse, I appreciate your time. What was your immediate takeaway from last night's game? We saw what happened in the second inning. I don't know if I've ever seen uh, a suicide squeeze attempt turn into a double play, guy out at home, guy out at third. That's a strange set of circumstances you know maybe you can you can imagine popping up that button that turns into a double play but uh a failed opportunity there failed opportunity late when uh, Bryant was up with first and second nobody out um and then of course Rizzo strikes out after the double play there so a couple failed opportunities on offense and a bullpen that gave it up there with the Cubs leading two to one uh Ozzy Albies with the two-run home run I didn't like the decision to go to uh, to keep Montgomery in the game I didn't like the decision to let Albies bat right-handed. Uh, so it's like a combination of things, and that's kind of uh, sums up some of the issues with the Cubs this year. They just come up short in a little, in a few different areas. Um, starting to was good enough. Alzali was good. Um, you could see the potential in him, Jay Hood. Change-up curveball was better. Um, Three-pitch pitcher there, and uh, he was pretty good after the first pitch home run he gave up to Acuna. So there was some good in that game, but uh, – Man, if you lose the division by one like they did last year, that is a game that stands out, as every team can say. But, you know, they're not very good in one-run games, not for a team of their caliber. And, and this was another one they felt they lost. Aside from last night's game, do you think that Joe has utilized Montgomery correctly this season? Well, not exactly. I don't think uh, it's, it's all on Joe, though. Um, he's been given Montgomery, and that's Joe's job to give him the roster. And, uh you know, they had Chatwood there, so Chatwood's going to get first crack at being the long man, uh, considering his his pay and, and what he's been his whole life as a starter. Um, so here's Montgomery's sort of short relief, and that's not his strength, despite Game 7 of the World Series. So, And he hasn't been very good. He was hurt. He was behind the eight ball. He wasn't very good. I don't know if his head's completely into it with, with you know, his dreams of starting still. So um, it's kind of interesting. I don't know if it's all on Joe, but I think Joe needs to – probably has to understand his limitations and can't think of him as that guy that had those good starts last year and, and got that save in the World Series. My point being, I thought he stretched him out too long. Mm-hmm. Out of that jam in the fifth, went down 3-0 with the bases loaded. Um, 
second got the hitter, then went through the sixth easy, and then all of a sudden McCann's on first, Albies is up batting right-handed. I think that was the time to pull him. This is, this is, that was the time to pull him, and I don't think Joe made the right decision there. So uh, it's not his fault that he's in that role, but you have to know his limitations. Jesse, uh, you've been very impressed with the youth of the Braves under Snitker. You know, think about four years of losing, get to the LDS last year. Things are pointing up, like a number of teams, Houston, Braves, Cubs the same way. You bottom out, you try to really cultivate your young uh, kids in the minor leagues, bring them up, and uh, I think that the Braves are headed in the right direction. Yeah, they really are, and they're being extra patient despite having a first-place team. I remember talking to their GM. I like their GM a lot. Um, uh, in the winter, and he and I asked him, "Is it time to put the finishing touches on this thing?" He said, "No, we're not. We're not quite there." So they added Donaldson on a very favorable deal, just one year. Uh, they're sort of doing it slowly here, even though they have a first place team. Now they did bring in Keuchel, so they're already thinking about finishing touches to this team. But they've done it slowly. They've done it slowly. They had, they didn't just go out and buy a couple guys. They made, they they got Donaldson on that one year deal. And bringing Keiko was pretty smart, also on a short-term deal. So they're not hamstringing themselves. You know, they're not handcuffing themselves. Um, they're they're, they're uh, remaining flexible with a deep lineup, um, I think, to add to that pitching staff, whether it be in July this year or in the offseason. So they're trying, like every team like them, like they would be in that position. They're trying to have a sustained run of success. The Cubs have tried that, but it doesn't seem like Jed and Theo have made all the right decisions since the World Series. Uh, is there anything that stand, that you see from Darvish that says that you know he's going to turn the corner here? Is there anything different from Darvish this year than last year? Yeah, sure. I think he's already turned the corner. I think he's, I mean, I don't mean from, from uh, you know, point A to point you know, Z or whatever you want to call it. You know, he's not, he's not a finished product, but I think he's turned the corner. I think uh, the, the the fact that he's had ten no decisions. There's a lot of bad in that, but there's some good. He's not blowing games. He's not uh, going two innings and giving up six walks and 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 or, or and getting knocked out of the game early. And the Cubs never re- respond. Yeah, he's blown some leads, but he's kept them in the game. So I think he's already turned the corner. Um, but it's just about degrees. Where, where is he? Is he? Is, he's not a one or a two. He's the middle of the rotation guy right now. Again, with one or two stuff, because this stuff is still really good. We've seen it this year, the strikeouts. He's, had, he's limited walks lately. So, um, yeah, I think he's turned the corner. But where does that, where's that finish? Where's the, where's the end of the street for him? Uh, you, you know, uh, it's the 4th of July right around the corner, and I know that around poolside or around the family would be a good time to crack open a book. Do you have any suggestions? That's a, it's a long holiday. The 4th is on a Thursday. You get the long holiday weekend to read Try Not to Suck. The definitive bio on Joe Madden and his strategies. Maybe he needs to take a refresher course after what I've seen on the base path lately. I don't know. Maybe you should read his own bio, right? Um, it wasn't an autobiography. It was written about him, not with him. So that's the difference. Anyway, try not to suck. Amazon and your local bookstore. I think you'll enjoy it. It's about his whole career in life. Jesse, as always, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for coming on the show. You got it, Jay Hood. Take care. There he is, Jesse Rogers, who covers the Cubs for ESPN.com. Follow him on Twitter, at ESPN Shy Cubs. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We'll get into some NBA free agency. You know what I'm going to do? At 7.30, I am going to give you my predictions for some of these NBA free agents. I have not done that yet, but I've been looking at this very closely, taking a number of texts and phone calls, and so I am starting to think about 
where some of these guys are going. Now, I'm going to give you some predictions. It doesn't mean it's going to happen, <laughs> but I'm going to give you my thoughts on where these uh, free agents should go. We'll get to that coming up in our next half hour here on ESPN 1000. Let's talk about the White Sox, shall we? How about a little White Sox? Because the uh, Chicago White Sox played the Boston Red Sox and won the game 8-7. to uh, Listen to a lot of that ball game uh, earlier today. Sox now are 37-41. and And by the way, on the radio side, good for Andy Mazur uh, getting a shot. I know Ed Farmer is not uh, is under the weather, has not been on the road with the White Sox, but it's good to have uh, Andy Mazur in there with DJ on the uh, radio side. They do a really good job together. But the Sox, 37-41. and 41. Here's how it looks on this road trip. Split with the Cubs, lost 2 out of 3 against the Rangers, lost 2 out of 3 against the uh, Boston Red Sox. And the Twins come to guaranteed rate on Friday. So here's some of the losses for the White Sox. This is how close it's been. This is no you know, secondary medal or no pat on the back, but in the losses that the White Sox have had, they've lost 7-3, 6-5, 7-4, 6-5, 6-3. They've been close ball games. They've been in a lot of those ball games on the road, but fell short. So they lost that series against Texas, which I thought was winnable, and they lost the series against the Red Sox. That first game was um, it was a game that the Sox should have been able to win. It was an, a problem for Tim Anderson. Uh, ground ball in the hole, bases loaded in the ninth. Said he's going the short way and tagging the runner going to third. He tries to throw it to first base. The runner's safe, and the Red Sox win. Uh, and then they won last night, and the uh, Sox were able to win 8-7. to seven. So in yes in today's game it was very interesting because Colome the closer blew his first save in the eighth inning. The closer should not be there in the eighth. I know that Rick Renneria probably is looking for a four or five out save because the Sox were up in that game and Colome blew his first save of the season. So uh, I can understand if the Sox trade him if the Sox continue to fall out of the wild card hunt. I totally get that. But you know um, this game was was interesting. On a number of levels. Number one, Jose Abreu comes to the plate with uh, you know the game on the line in the ninth inning. Sox trying to rally after surrendering three runs in the bottom of the eighth. Again, I talked about that blown save by Colome. Abreu does what Abreu does. Comes up big. Three for five with two runs, four RBIs, and this is part of it earlier today. Jose drills it. Deep left field toward the monster. And the White Sox lead. Way out of here. Well, 1959 has a special feeling for White Sox fans, and those are the power numbers on Jose Abreu. He just passed Jermaine Dye for seventh in team history. He called for the high fastball. It wasn't high. The Ford home run replay. The White Sox retake the lead. Jose Abreu takes one deep. What a battle in that at bat. How about that? Benetti and Stone on NBC Sports Chicago. How about that? The White Sox win that ball game 8-7. One thing that uh, was troublesome to me, and this is where it comes down to managing. There was a number of things I did not like about today's game, but here's one of them. Sox are trying to win the ball game. They are down 7-6. to six. It's the top of the ninth inning, and Garcia gets on with a base hit. He gets caught stealing right there in the next at-bat when Sanchez comes up. 
there was no I don't even know if there was a green light, red light, yellow light. The point is is that you're down a run and Garcia's trying to steal second base and he got thrown out of the game he got thrown out at second base. Sanchez singles to right, but thank goodness Abreu was there to pick him up. But just little errors like that, little base running issues. And then some of the things from Renneria today I did did not like, some things I didn't understand um, from him today. And, and I understand, and it's so funny because I was uh, tweeting about the White Sox at Tweet J. Hood and Chris Tannehill, a longtime Sox fan, was uh, tweeting at me as well and talking about, you know, it, it feels differently when you have an investment in the team. Like, I've always had an investment, but it, but when you're down and you keep getting beat down, you figure, ah, you know, you know, this is not the season, so you don't have to get emotionally wrapped up into it. But here is a game against the Red Sox in which you're just trying to salvage a series, and it's back and forth. The Sox tried to get at Chris Sale, and they did. Sox were up 3-2 to two in the first inning because they got to Sale early and often. They scored another two in the top of the third to the White Sox, and, and it's a back-and-forth seesaw game. And you, you kind of get wrapped up into it because, after all, it is my team. It's the team that means the most to me in Chicago, the White Sox. And so even though I kind of know what this season is, you just want to see the guys compete because when you see your favorite team compete, no matter wh- who your favorite team is, you just want to see what the ball club looks like once they get good. And, and so when I look at the core of this White Sox team, Abreu, to me, is still part of it. I have maintained for a while that depending on the price tag, Abreu can be this generation's Canerco. He's not going to be at first base every day, but he could be the DH for this ball club. Uh, uh, you know, Moncada is going to be part of this team. Anderson's going to be part of this team once the team is good. It makes me think, based on what we've seen here with McCann, McCann had a home run in the third inning off of Chris Sale. McCann is it's almost like a different player. Here's a guy here that was just uh, an average to maybe a below-average ball player, and it just seems like the light has come on for James McCann. He was 2-for-5 today with uh, with two RBIs with that home run, as I mentioned. His slash line at 328, 387, 520 in the middle of the lineup and, and calls a good game. You know, It makes me wonder, once this Sox team does you know, become a contender or once it is better, is McCann part of it? That's the hope, right? And there's a lot of other young players in this roster as well. But I, I just, uh, I, it, it is funny that here's a day game against the Red Sox, and I'm just watching along and just kind of like, uh, you know, and, and you just kind of get wrapped up because you want to see your favorite team uh, perform well, especially against over 500 teams, teams that should be in the playoffs. As we talk about the White Sox with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. So some news here. Let's hear from Rick Renneria. Um and let's hear from Tim Anderson because Tim Anderson is the is a player that I'm keeping my eyes on. I was watching the game while we were doing the show in, in a very rainy Fenway Park. There's a ground ball to him. To Anderson was there. He was trying to throw it to first base. The way he planted on that mud, that muddy track, he twisted his ankle, and now he's on the 10 day disabled list, the 10 day injured list. So some thoughts from Tim Anderson. I don't, I don't think it was that. I just think, you know, just playing around. Uh, but uh, I think it could have happened just, you know, even if the field was dry. So I don't think it was just, the, you know, the wet turf. But, uh, yeah, I feel like, you know, I was just playing it wrong. 
And he said that he kind of felt a little pop. It, it scared him a little bit. But the team uh, says that he was diagnosed with a high ankle sprain. So 10-day injured list for Tim Anderson. And also Moncada left the game with a knee injury uh, as well today. So a couple of injuries there. Um, let's hear from Rick Renneria because I know he was happy with the Sox victory today. It was a great at-bat as we are watching it develop. Uh, we're sitting there, Joy and I, and I said, gosh, he seems to be on everything he's throwing. And fortunately for us, uh, he, put a, he, he was putting some some tough pitches, balancing some tough pitches up out of the zone a little bit maybe and uh, got the, the last pitch that he wanted to and uh, was able to uh, you know, try around the ballpark. Hit it very well. Great at-bat. So, yeah, so Rick Renneria talking about Jose Abreu with the um, game-winning home run uh, for the White Sox. You just want a little glimpse, right? You just want to see something, you know, from game to game, from series to series, that tells you that the future is bright for this White Sox team. Uh, I enjoyed uh, the battle. A lot of grind from the White Sox against Chris Sale and the Red Sox uh, today over at Fenway Park. So we'll see what happens a day off. And then they take on the Minnesota Twins, that stick in the beehive, that rock in my shoe for many years. The Twins are a lot better than I thought they would be under Rocco Baldelli. So we'll see what happens with the uh, White Sox and the Twins coming up at guaranteed rate. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Hey, you ever go to the ballpark thinking that you might die? The two-year-old girl who was struck by a foul ball at Minute Maid Park on May 29th suffered a skull fracture and had a seizure, according to a spokesperson for the family, in a a release that was issued on Wednesday. Um, This is, again, a story of a young person or just anybody that's in the stands that gets hit by a baseball because the nets are not down. Jeff Passon wrote about this on ESPN.com, or Major League Baseball reporter. The girl had subdural bleeding, brain contusions, brain edema, uh, and um, had further seizures. The family has retained attorney Richard Mithoff to advise about the uh, incident, according to the release. The Astros risk management representative reached out to the family, and now the family is represented by counsel. Uh, and so, you know, there's some going. There's a lot of talk back and forth between Major League Baseball and the representative of this family of this two-year-old girl that was struck by a foul ball. Now, as the story goes, the incident brought further attention to the issue of expanding uh, safety netting at ballparks. In the past week, the White Sox, the Nationals, the Dodgers have announced plans to extend safety netting from foul pole to foul pole, with the Nationals saying that the uh, work will be done at their ballpark over the All-Star break next month. Here's the thing. According to a, a survey commissioned by ESPN last week, Major League Baseball fans support installation of more safety netting at ballparks by an overwhelming majority, 78% to 22%. The 22% are idiots. And the 22% also might be owners of Major League Baseball parks and teams. I don't know how there is another side to this. Yeah, you know, I know that there was um, uh, people that have been taken out of ballparks having to be put on a gurney because of foul balls, but I don't know about extended netting. How is there another side to this conversation? A two-year-old girl is going through it. 
We've seen an adult had to be taken out of Dodger Stadium. Uh, there's so many stories that we're seeing now over the years of people hit by foul balls. Why can't you protect your patrons? How come? How come? Rob Manfred, how come Major League Baseball is not ahead of this? It seems simple, right? It's as simple as this. If you're down the first and third base lines, and we're as busy as we've ever been as people, right? We got our phones, we got our iPads, we've got distractions. And so, yes, you would think that everybody can raise their head and watch every pitch, but that doesn't happen because we have so many distractions that are built in. And even then, if you're a kid, you may not be looking at an iPad. You may not be looking at, at, a, at, a, at a telephone or whatever or cell phone. The point is, though, is that that ball comes in hot. And I think it's pretty simple that there should be netting all the way down to try to protect the paying fan, even the innocent. Why not try to protect the innocent like kids? It seems simple, right? What's the other side of that? What, what is, what is the, the negative of trying to protect fans? And, and for the majority of the owners, and it is the majority, okay, because it, it's not like this is not a, a 100% thing. The Sox, the Nationals, and Dodgers uh, ex- plan on extending the safety netting. But what about everybody else? And how come Rob Manfred is not on the front lines of this trying to come up with something for an, an edict, by the way, for all Major League Baseball teams to do this, to protect the paying customer? It just seems simple to me. Glad you're with us here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Coming up next, we'll take a look at NBA free agency. Uh, I'll give you some predictions. I'm going to tell you where some of these guys should go. No, for real. It's coming up on UTH. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Glad that you're with me. Don't forget the Under the Hood podcast, wherever you download your podcast. Eric Ostrowski is producing the program. He is the originator of the Under the Hood podcast. He's the one who did the legwork to make sure that we were up and running uh, last April. Not this past April, like a year ago, April. So we've got it, and it's growing. Uh, SoundCloud, Stitcher, um, wherever you download your podcast on Apple Podcasts, look for Under the Hood with John the Hood. That way you never miss an episode because I know you're busy. If you're busy, you can't listen all three hours. Make sure you check it out uh, wherever you get a chance on the Under the Hood podcast. Um, so I looked at these names, and I have a number of connections, right? I don't tell you that I, I know what's going on because I tell you what, no matter who you trust when it comes to your NBA knowledge, whether it's Stephen A. Smith or whether it's Adrian Wojnarowski or Mark Stein or Bobby Marks or... Bill Simmons, wherever you get your, your NBA information, Chris Black, Jonathan Hood. Can I tell you something, just between you and I? Nobody really knows. <laughs> nobody really knows. And here's why nobody really, really knows. Because this is an unpredictable time when it comes to NBA free agency. The power is in the hands of the player. The, the player in the NBA can say, you know, Los Angeles sounds good. No, Boston sounds good. No, Philly sounds good. No, maybe no state tax in Florida or no state tax in Texas. You know, maybe I'll consider going to New York. You just never know these days when it comes to the NBA. We can speculate, but we don't know. But I will tell you some things that I I believe after 
having a number of discussions, and I will be doing, by the way, an NBA podcast with Chris Black. It'll drop tomorrow. We'll tell you where you can find that, usually on the Under the Hood podcast and also on ESPNChicago.com. We will discuss together some of the choices here. But let me give you some names. Okay. So as we take a look at the top free agents, where could they be going? Well, let's start here. And as I start here, let me just point out that the Bulls now have $3 million more million that they can tack on as far as um, free agency is concerned because finally they got out from underneath the Omer Sheik deal. Thank God. Finally, they can uh, have a little bit more wiggle room. It's just $3 million, but at least they got that settled now. So the Bulls now have just a little bit more wiggle room when it comes to uh, NBA free agency and money um, under the cap. Okay, so the big name is Kevin Durant. Where is Kevin Durant going to be next season? Kevin Durant is a mercurial, interesting player because some will say that Kevin Durant is the best player in the NBA. If you believe he's the best player in the NBA, cool. I'm not going to argue with you. Some will say LeBron. Some will say Steph Curry. Some will say Kawhi Leonard. However you look at it, Kevin Durant, if nothing else, is in the team photo of great NBA players. So he has a choice. He could go back to Golden State for a one-year deal, or as he sits out for the year, we won't see Kevin Durant more than likely play next year because of the injury, um, because of that ruptured right Achilles, and that is a tough injury on anybody, including a big guy. He could sign with the Warriors even though he opted out and makes himself a free agent. He can sign a year, or he can go to the Knicks, or he can go to the Brooklyn Nets. Who knows with Kevin Durant? All I know is that I want you to think about this. If you know anything about Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant has two or three Instagrams, two or three Twitters. And the reason why he has that is because not only does he have his main one, but also he likes to be able to go back and forth with people. As a matter of fact, we've seen him argue with himself, a shadow account arguing with the actual Kevin Durant account. It's weird, but he cares about what you think. I, I will tell you over the years that there's a number of athletes that don't care what you think. Kevin Durant actually cares what you think. Very sensitive in that regard. So maybe probably the majority of people, I'm just guessing, are coming at Kevin Durant saying, you couldn't win a championship in Oklahoma City, so you went to Golden State to win a championship with an already talented team, so it doesn't count. It would not surprise me if Kevin Durant takes that to heart and say, well, I can do it by myself, and I can have a team around me that can get it done. I'll be the vocal point of it, and so I'll go to the Knicks. You know why? Because misery loves company, and he is a brooding, miserable athlete. And so it would not surprise me if now that he's a free agent, he decides to go to the Knicks. It doesn't make sense. I mean, listen, I wouldn't do it. To me, I'm holding on to Golden State until the wheels fall off. That's me, because I know that increases my chance to win a championship. But Kevin Durant, uh, I'm going to just roll the dice and say that uh, I can see him in New York, Brooklyn, or with New York. Um, So that's one. It's not Golden State, that's for sure. Klay Thompson will be back with the Golden State Warriors. Of course, he tore his ACL in his left knee, uh, even though he's taken... I think he took one um, conversation with the team, but he's going back to Golden State. Kawhi Leonard also is a very interesting story, right? Here is the NBA Finals MVP. Tough to read. Doesn't say a lot. Kawhi Leonard is traded 
from San Antonio to Toronto. Greg Popovich could not stand Kawhi Leonard not being around the team, not c- commenting on what how his uh, injury was going. He stayed away from San Antonio, and Popovich said, you know what I'll do? Not only will I trade you, I'll trade you out of this conference and out of this country. He traded him to, to Toronto, and he thought maybe he might, might, might be punishing Kawhi Leonard by sending him to Toronto. And Kawhi Leonard, healthy enough to play, and was the finals MVP, and the Toronto Raptors win the NBA championship. So, could Kawhi Leonard stay with Toronto? Or does he go someplace else? He's from Los Angeles. He has homes in Los Angeles. But he won a championship with Toronto. So here's my prediction. I think Kawhi Leonard stays with Toronto for at least uh, another season. Two-way deal, maybe a two-year deal with a player option, you know, one-and-one. Like, I'll play for a year, and I'll see if I want to come back the following year. That very well could be the case. I can see Kawhi Leonard staying at least for another year in Toronto to maybe win back-to-back championships because you know what the NBA is about. It's about dynasties. You know, very few isolated champions over the last 30 years. Dallas is one of them. And I see that Toronto could be the Dallas Mavericks of this generation. But if Kawhi's there, you can look at Kawhi and Toronto being one of the favorites for sure win the NBA championship. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We talk about NBA free agency. So we went through talking about the K's. Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, Kawhi Leonard. How about another K? How about Kyrie Irving? Boy, we talk about another odd <laughs> strange athlete, right? So Kyrie Irving wins an NBA championship with LeBron James. As LeBron James says, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. They win a championship. Kyrie Irving wants to have his own joint. He feels like he was overshadowed by LeBron. Even though when Kyrie had the team before LeBron, he couldn't get it done. That's because he didn't have a Batman. He was just Robin. He didn't have a Batman next to him. So he goes to Boston. And that never seemed right. And it's not like I live in Boston to know that, but just all the calls that I get and some of the information I get, it just didn't seem right. Saw the Boston Celtics against Milwaukee. I was there at the Fiserv Forum in Milwaukee to see that series. It just didn't seem right. It seemed fractured. Good team, but you just knew that team was not championship material, even though I thought at the beginning of the season that Boston would be in the finals. But it just did not work out. Okay, so... There's a choice. Kyrie Irving fires his agent, and he signs with Rock Nation. So that means the Brooklyn Nets, right? I mean, it seems obvious the Brooklyn Nets, but with Kyrie Irving, you never know. Remember, he's got along. He's getting along now with LeBron James. Seems like that that relationship has been cured from uh, when Kyrie and LeBron were together in Cleveland. It seems like the Brooklyn Nets, but it, could it be the Lakers? Could it be the Lakers? Could be. I'm going to say Brooklyn just to be on the safe side, but don't be surprised if this young man decides to go to the Lakers, even though he wants his own place, his own joint. If he goes to the Lakers, it's LeBron's team. How about another K? How about Kemba Walker? Kemba Walker plays for Michael Jordan's Charlotte Hornets. And he was quoted as saying that he would like to stay in Charlotte if possible. They can offer Kemba the max. Is he a super max player? He's a, he definitely is a max player. Is he a super max player? Hmm. Well, Walker has said that the Hornets is his first priority in free agency, and he would consider taking less money if it helped build out the rest of that roster. Man, that sounds like a guy that wants to be there. 
but he wants to be there, but he still would be underachieving in that market. NBA heads know that Kemba Walker is special, but Kemba Walker's never been never been in meaningful games in the playoffs. Kemba Walker has never been in a, a big enough spotlight on TNT or on ESPN for people to appreciate how good this guy is. He is a terrific talent. But with Charlotte, it's always kept down. Now, I'm going to just roll the dice and say that he's going to try to resign with Charlotte because he likes it there. But I, I will tell you that he'd be better off being with Dallas, being with um, Doncic, uh, being with Kristaps Porzingis in Dallas. I think that he'd be great in Dallas. I also think that if Boston for sure is going to lose Kyrie Irving and Al Horford, then he'd be great in Boston too. So I'm going to say Charlotte, but I think there's a couple other teams that should come strong for him. Um, and let me see. I got out through all the Ks. How about Al Horford? Let me get to him real quickly. Al Horford. I heard Bill Simmons say on a podcast on, on the BS Report that there might be a suitors for Al Horford, who's 36, 37 years of age as a center, that will be looking at four years and like $120 million for Al Horford. I was thinking of him as like a nice piece for the Bulls, but but at the Bulls price, you know, like 120 million for Al Horford as as like the fourth shooter, the fourth offensive weapon for the Boston Celtics. I I mean, I mean, I'm going to just say possibly uh, the Clippers, maybe Dallas for Al Horford, but man, 120 million for a guy that's 37. Holy Chris Paul contract, right? Okay, one more. Let me give you Jimmy Butler. Ah, we know him very well here, right? Jimmy Butler with Philadelphia and Tobias Harris. I'll do a, a two-piece for you and a biscuit. So Butler and Harris, both available in free agency. Where will they go? I say that Jimmy Butler can get a max, super max, nah, but definitely a max contract with the Sixers because he could be the glue to that team. I think that if he's in Philadelphia, I think that increases their chances of being at the top of the East uh, next season. If if Leonard leaves, I can see Philadelphia being one of the top teams, or if not the top team in the East, if Jimmy Butler stays. Tobias Harris is a nice player, but Tobias Harris never found a home and was able to be there for a long haul. For the long haul, I just you know I think he's a good player. He is a a piece to a championship puzzle, I believe. But the real name in this is Jimmy Butler. Jimmy loves California, loves hanging out in Los Angeles. I think he'd love to be with the Clippers, even though Houston is looking for a sign and trade. Uh, Houston would love to have Jimmy Butler on the team. Does Jimmy Butler make the uh, Rockets an NBA champion? Did they try this with Chris Paul and James Harden, Clint Capella? There's some movement that could happen for Houston to be able to get more shooting like Jimmy Butler on the team. But I think that Jimmy would love to be in L.A. So I'm thinking that he's going to either A, sign with the Sixers for the Supermax or a max contract, or go to Los Angeles to play for the Clippers, not the Lakers, but the Clippers. It's funny, all these names I've mentioned, right, didn't mention the Lakers very often. There's a reason why. is because some of these other, other players, this is the empowerment era of the NBA. This is the my joint era of the NBA. These guys want to have their own spot. And they want to be able to win a championship with a team that they've built. Uh, And so that's kind of where we are with the league today.
And so those are just some of my predictions. Again, I'll talk to Chris Black. We'll do a podcast on this tomorrow, and we'll put it up at Tweet J Hood. We'll put it up uh, for you to find it on my Facebook wall, facebook.com, and, uh, and, ch- and take a look. By the way, I, in, this, in the whole conversation about the uh, NBA free agency, you know what the Bulls are looking for. It won't be any of those big names. It'll be names in the middle to the bottom of the barrel. Guard play, bigs. They need those things. There's still quality out there for free agency. Just got to get the right guys around some of these young players on this roster. We play one question coming up next on Under the Hood. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Hey! We'll have summer football coming up after Sports Center at 8 o'clock right here on ESPN 1000. We'll hear from Cole Wright from the NFL Network, Chicago Zone. We'll get his thoughts about the Bears and the landscape of the National Football League with Cole Wright coming up right here on ESPN 1000. You know, it's weeknights and we get really busy, right? So sometimes we don't have, people don't have time to spend uh, talking to us for a full segment, but they do have time. For one question. You guys lose this game or did the Jazz win this one? Time for one question. What? With Jonathan Hood. Bro, what are you talking about, man? Just one question. Oh, there's one more thing. On ESPN 1000. Yes, Eric goes through his phone. I go through my phone. And we just go through the... Address book, we go through, go through, find names, find names, find names, and we landed on Adam Abdallah from Black and Abdallah, Sunday mornings at 8, right here on ESPN 1000. Also, my partner on Chicago's College Tailgate in the fall. That's com- that show's coming back, by the way, Chicago's College Tailgate. We're going to have a lot of fun. If you're a college football fan, stay by your listening device. We're going to have fun uh, this fall with Chicago's College Tailgate. Hello, Adam. Hello, Jonathan. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Uh, are you ready, sir, for one question? I am. Okay. Adam Abdallah, here's your one question. Adam, what is the, the worst or best night that you've had at a concert? Ooh, that's a good question. Thank you. Um, I need that. It's, <laughs> uh, huh, okay, my number one concert I've ever been to was Jay-Z and Kanye, the Watch the Throne tour. Um, I forget what year it is. It was right after Watch the Throne came out. Google it. I, I, that's, I don't care what year it was. Um, but it was like Kanye, to me, at his peak of just his best production and his I don't care about how much money I spend on said production. So, like, he's just putting in quotes from movies just because, like, buying the rights to these quotes that are going to be, you know, with within Paris and everything. And so, and then you had Jay-Z, who's one of my favorite rappers, and they were just going back and forth all night, not just doing their songs from Watch the Throne, but doing their hits back and forth. And, like, he was at the United Center. Um, that's easily, and I've gone to... I've gone to hundreds and hundreds of shows. That's hands down, without question, the best concert I've ever been to. Thank you, Adam. You're welcome. That is one question.